As some of you may know, I work in the media industry. I used to be a journalist, but then I moved up the career ladder and I wasn't able to produce content anymore. And that is some of the reason for why I'm doing this podcast, as it allows me to have a creative output. Now, where my career path has taken me within media is towards product and tech, and I'm currently the CPO in our company, and while I really try to keep my professional life in this podcast miles apart, really, I just couldn't resist doing a short episode on AI, artificial intelligence, and its potential effect on history and historical research. As I of now, I'm stumbling over AI all the time at work. So for the next minutes, I will try to shed some light over how AI might affect history in this mini episode. First of all, I suppose there are quite a few of you out there that feel that artificial intelligence is a bit of a hype. And I can absolutely understand that. After ChatGPT launched in November 2022, we have started to see a lot of rather poor AI models being thrown out onto the market in order for companies not to be left behind at the station when the latest tech train leaves the platform. And just to be clear, we will continue to see many poor AI models and use cases where AI isn't the right technology. Still, I am one of those that really think that AI is a huge deal. For me, this is easily the largest tech innovation for about at least 15, 16 years. And I think we can already say that ChatGPT will be remembered as this game-changing product in history. I've been to quite a few tech conferences over the past few years in different countries. And in the tech biz, one is always looking at the next big thing, you know. Previous years, it has been chatbots, it has been blockchain, it has been voice control, but they all completely pale in comparison when we now really see what AI can do. For me, AI is internet 2.0. I mean, it's one of those things that really accelerates innovation and uh, at least it's the biggest thing since roughly 2007 when we get the first iPhone and we get social media with a Facebook that is all of a sudden coming in and just taking over. And I think we see some of these same patterns of usage now as we did then that overnight people just start using it. It needs no training or explanation. People just start using it as a platform for expression and creativity, and it instantly becomes part of people's lives. I think this is the first time we've actually seen that since then. And don't get me wrong, I mean, chatbots, blockchain, and voice control, and all these things, they are all cool stuff, but they are, in my humble opinion, not the same game changes that AI is. In fact, I do in many ways think that AI is the thing that might power these technologies to finally become uh, important and that AI will become the important engine that they have been lacking somewhat. You know, that the annoying customer service chatbot all of a sudden gets a brain and actually gets helpful, if you know what I mean. In many ways... I'm thinking about AI as the combustion engine. 
all of a sudden you can put an engine, you know, to your horse cart, and then you don't need a horse anymore. And it's a car, you know, and with a combustion engine, you you can put it on a bike, and you have a motorcycle, and it goes much faster. And all of a sudden, you have something that is powerful enough to make large object carrying humans uh, into into air, into space, even. You have airplanes and, and space shuttles, and there are, of course, a lot of other skill sets and innovations that are required for all of this. But in the center of this is the new engine, and our new engine is AI. Now, AI is, of course, many different things. It's much more, also, of course, than just Chat GPT that we mentioned. But I want to start here because it is one of the most useful use cases for historical research, I think. Now, what ChatGPT really is, is a pre-trained language model that uses machine learning sat on top of a deep neural network. So, in short, it's about language. And what it does is that it, with alarmingly high precision, can help us suggest text that is quite close to something that we can use for various things. And language is just so much of what we do. It is how we tell stories and share experiments. It's how we create stuff. And also in computing, it is code that we use communicating with machines. Now, I personally think that we, for several reasons, will not quite get past having a human expert eyeballing the results of an AI language model but it will definitely make things much, much more efficient. Again, a little bit like the combustion engine. In many ways, the car solves exactly the same problems as a horse car does. It just does it a hell of a lot more efficiently, opening up a whole range of new opportunities. Within programming, where I work, we have our developers using an AI tool to help them code. They still need to have their brains with them, but the AI helps them suggest code, basically doing the dirty work for them, allowing them just to look over and make adjustments here and there. This software is fittingly called Copilot, that is in many ways what much AI will be in many professions, an amplifier for the human using it. And now I will finally get to my main point, because how can a pre-trained machine learning language model help historians, you might ask? Well, much of what we know from the past is down to writing and language. We even call the time before writing prehistory. It's not a word that I love that you might have picked up on if you've heard my previous episodes, but, but this time area is in the dark for us by archaeology. So traditionally, history has a really close connection with writing, with language. We don't know what people in the past thought and how they spoke, but when writing appears, that of course changes everything. That sheds so much more light to what has happened. Of course, famously, writing is the best way to to become immortal, as some ancient scholar said once upon a time. Now, many people might not know this, but there are actually thousands and thousands of pieces of writing from archaeological digs that are themselves thousands of years old that we have still never interpreted. They are gathering dust in museum basements just sitting there waiting to be read. 
They are typically cuneiform clay tablets from the civilizations around Mesopotamia, like the Sumerians, the Babylonians, Assyrians, and Akkadians. And the reason for why we haven't been able to interpret them is basically something as trivial as time and resources. We haven't really had time to go through them all, and the number of experts that are able to read these writings are few and far between. Now, hadn't it been great if there existed some sort of magic language model that could just read and translate them all for us? Well, that is, of course, what we now are starting to have. And while ChatGPT is trained in modern languages, there are already several efforts into trying to teach similar AI models ancient languages. I mean, just imagine what kind of cool stuff we can get from that. Admittedly, you know, many of these old clay tablets, they don't contain epic poetry and marvellous histories. You know, as of today, much of that will be uh, receipts and everyday uh, messages, IOUs and so forth. So forever, every sort of epic of Gilgamesh, there will be thousands of mundane writings likely. But still, think about a potential here. We will get new names, we will get new stories, we will of course have much more insight into how these people lived their lives. And what I sometimes find the most fascinating is how little has changed over the centuries. We have already from this time period customer complaints and legal documents and so forth that will in itself be great to get a broader understanding about. So everything that is in writing is data that an AI language model will love and that will definitely change history and historical research forever. So there is still a way to go. A recent study proved that there is a lot of promise here, but also that the various AI models are struggling in certain areas and that they can, quote, hallucinate, end quote, sometimes. And that means that they're just making stuff that wasn't right up. And this is, of course, one of the ethical problems with many AI language models, that they will always strive to give you an answer but they will sort of bang on even though they are uncertain. So everything can't be taken at face value, of course. You still need the human expert there, but the AI can be a force multiplier, making one human expert much more efficient. Like some people have been saying, AI won't take your job, but a person capable of using AI might. There are also examples where we have the writing but the writing is impossible for us to interpret because of the condition it is in. For example we have many different scrolls from Pompeii, the Roman city that was buried in the ashes. There are of course also uh, more or less ashes themselves but scientists are trying to be able to decipher what was written on them through among others x-ray technology and so forth and this is tedious work. But the potential benefits of actually being able to rediscover an ancient library is, of course, mouth-watering. In the last episode before this, we talked about the poet Sappho and how much of her works that have been lost. But still, the new fragments keep popping up. I mean, just imagine having access to a fully set ancient library with 
potentially unknown poetry from her, from other ancient Greek philosophers, information about kings that we haven't heard about, lost kingdoms perhaps even, and so forth. And one thing AI can do is help us reconstruct. That means not that it can necessarily fill in all the blanks for us to be taken at face value, but it can, based on how well it is trained in that language or not, at least give us a sense of what kind of information we are about to uncover. And in the case of very tedious reconstruction work, it might be able to point researchers to the fact if they are sort of working on a receipt or the new epic of Gilgamesh. And of course, this is something that you can imagine being quite useful. So AI is in many ways about predicting stuff helping us look around the next corner before we get there because it can analyze a lot of data and learn and what is fascinating to see that also within archaeology itself there are some groundbreaking innovations now being used uh, with alongside with AI. So there are examples of scientists using machine learning for genomic dating in dead organisms to determine how far that they back. Uh, that is on its own a game changer, determining how old stuff is, is of course essential in archaeology, but also finding out where you want to dig is essential. Im- image recognition is plays a part in this, and if we also combine that with machine learning, you know, it can get, get us heaps of interesting places. Let's say you have tons of satellite images. Now, if you train an algorithm, it will be able to notify you that, whoops, there is something in this landscape here that seems like it was man-made. And that might be enough to find out where that very last battle really took place or the burial place of a famous person, for example. One thing is data. We have many new technologies for gathering data, but what AI can do that is so new to us now is to help us piece it all together to actually utilize this data in whole new ways, being our extra eyes and brains magnifying what the archaeologists can do today. I mean, who wouldn't love to find Alexander the Great's last resting place, for example? Lost ancient cities lying in the desert sand, waiting to be discovered. I think we will see an AI revolution in archaeology, as well as in so many other parts of historical research. At this point, it is more or less only the imagination that is limiting us. This portal of AI has just opened to us just now and we at this point in time are still guessing to what the implications will be. One thing that is perhaps more useful on the less scientific side of things is that AI is just really good at everything that has to do with image reconstruction. So based on the input it has, it will be very good to reconstruct how old ruins and statues might have looked like in their prime, perhaps making history more accessible to more people that will have the opportunity to get a look and feel to a much larger degree of what life really was like in the past. Uh, But I suppose you can also see a scientific use for this, using AI to help scientists guess how 
you know, missing text pieces might have been, for example, given that the AI has been trained properly. And those things, of course, will always come with huge caveats. Of course they will. But the thought about visual reconstruction, I think is a quite exciting one, at least when it comes to curators and museums. So talking about all this rather enthusiastically, I know with good reason that there are many people that are sort of fearing AI, and it is true that there are many ethical dilemmas with AI. So let's just discuss a little bit the darker sides briefly. And of course, there are many things here at this time of recording that will come. There are new things coming in every day, new new discoveries. So so just bear with me, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that this might be outdated <laughs> only weeks after recording, but anyways... So there is, of course, this fear that AI can develop some sort of consciousness and sort of damage us, sort of take over stuff. And that will, of course, also be a problem within historical research if that were to be the case. And there are some studies that are kind of scary in this regard, but, you know, long story short, personally, I'm not that worried. AI, I think we should think of as a tool. We must never forget that technology is never really magic. There are always human experts that know how to make it and how to control it. It always has a power to do good or bad, depending on the people utilizing it. It's the same with every technology, but it it can always somehow be controlled. You know, we might need to invent new methods and new technology to control AI. That's fair enough. But of course, it can be done. And it has been done uh, tons of times in the past uh, with many different technologies. Obviously, when you have the car, you realize pretty quickly that you need speed limit, you need safety belts, you need uh, whatnot, you need um, wipers. I heard this funny story, I don't know if it's true actually, but I heard a funny story that when they first had the, the, the wipe windshield wipers on cars, people were skeptical because they thought they would hypnotize a driver. Obviously it's complete rubbish, but it's very natural for us humans to be a bit skeptical and scared for technology, and that's kind of healthy, I think, in one way. Often we need to experiment and test before we manage to safely use new technology. And sometimes we will fail in the process uh, and that can even lead to fatal results. But this is, again, nothing new in the story of humankind. Just think about all those people experimenting with flight over the centuries. I mean, you know, that hasn't always gone that well. What is somewhat problematic with AI is that it sometimes can be a bit of a black box. So it's very hard to people using it to determine what actually leads to it giving the results and answers that it does. Now, this is, of course, a big problem when it comes to juridical questions like copyright law and so forth. It has ethical problems with it. It has academic problems with it because you might not know exactly how it reaches its conclusions and of course there is always the risk of bias in there and to be fair of course the AI is going to be biased because we have trained it 
So all the biases we have today when we are training an AI model, we have unconsciously fed into the AI. Some early examples of these were when AI would generate images of, let's say, a CEO, and they would all be white males. And some of that is that, you know, historically there has been a majority of white males that uh, that have been CEOs. But this is, of course, problematic because this is something that we are trying to change and most people agree need to change or be balanced out. So these are some of the more obvious examples of this, but of course there will be many, many more uh, examples of AI going bad than what we are aware of now. My point is that I'm pretty confident that we always will be able to control that somehow. And then again, as we briefly mentioned, there is of course this problem that AI might lie and make stuff up, hallucinate, which I thought was a fun word in this regard. And that is something that we also see a lot with the various early AI models today. If you've tried to use them yourself, you'll know. And that might, of course, again, lead to errors in historical research if we are not vigilant enough. But all in all, I am, for what it's worth, not concerned that AI will somehow take over humankind. I think this is just part of the thing that always comes when you get new groundbreaking technology, there will always be these people with doomsday scenarios coming from different places. Professor Andrew Ng at Stanford University, he has compared fearing that AI-powered robots taking over humankind is a little bit like fearing that Mars would get overpopulated. So not a very likely scenario, and I kind of agree with him a little bit there. At the place I work, I have compared AI to having a brand new chainsaw where we previously only had access. For me, I think it constitutes a huge technological leap that allows us to do the same job that we have done before more efficiently, But we will also see that this will open up new use cases, new jobs to be done uh, that we have not imagined yet. Or perhaps we have imagined them somehow, but they have seemed unrealistic. Like the concept of flight really needed an engine to really be effective. Uh, You needed that kind of power in order to make airplanes. Uh, Of course, you had balloons and whatnot before that. But to really make air travel meaningful, you needed to have a more powerful technology in place. Now, if we are to try to look at AI in a historical context, you know, aside from, from the new opportunities that will arise within historical research in archaeology, how will we see AI in the future, let's say, two, three hundred years from now? And, you know, this will, of course, like much of this, be pure speculation, but I'll still give it a go. In one way, I'm quite certain that it is a game changer, but in history, we are often not that concerned with the technological innovations as we are with the people and events. So the people, often for good reason, they steal the headlines why technological advances normally are a huge part of the backdrop, the explanation, and I don't necessarily think that AI will change that. So I think we still, when talking about history a few hundred years down the road, 
uh, might need to remember ourselves. They remember that this was in the time before electricity, like we say to that. This was the time before AI. So we did not necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about what that was for those people. We we spent time of thinking about what they did and how they reacted and how uh, what they got done. But technology can of course be an important part of the explanation and uh, and it's sort of it's a toolbox basically that people living in certain time periods have to their disposal. For example, you have um, it plays in like the First World War, as you know, it's a huge experiment before it starts. No one knew how it would be as it was perhaps the first huge scale industrial war. So technology played a huge part, but normally this is not what we first and foremost focus on when we talk about the First World War. And yes, I know there are some arguments that there are some other industrial wars before this, but that's a different discussion. Still, when we are comparing technological inventions and innovations over time, I think AI will be bang smack right up there along the biggest game changes. I have been thinking about it as the combustion engine, like I said, but I've also seen people comparing it to an to a perhaps even bigger technological revolution that is electricity. And I totally get that. I think that like electricity, we will continue to find new use cases for AI for many, many, many years to come. And most of that and a lot of that will be as an enabler for new technology as, of course, electricity is an essential enabler for AI and computing. Regardless of how we see AI, it is a power source. And my personal guess is that when looking back, we will see AI as this moment when machines for the very first time actually became smart, something that we'll be taking for granted and we'll be expecting in every product that we own very, very soon. I'm speaking to you tonight.